0: Hello and welcome to the Double Your Freelancing podcast, where you'll learn how to raise your rates, get better clients, and just generally have a way better life as a freelancer or agency owner. I'm your host, Zach Swinehart, and today I'm here with Joanna Galvão from GIF Design Studios. I can never pronounce the A with the squiggly from Portuguese correctly. I don't know if I did that right. Sorry if you speak Portuguese and I did it wrong, but I think it's Joanna Galvão, something like that. From... Gift Design Studios, about finances and profitability as an agency owner, networking strategies, and uh, strategies for scaling a small, lean uh, agency. We're also going to talk a bit about her experiences running an agency, which she's successfully removed herself from and was able to actually step away from for maternity leave, which is really cool. Her experiences running an agency versus uh, running a product-based business, because she also has a course and coaching business. Uh, and this interview came from within the W Your Freelancing community as an expert interview, uh, which also doubled as part of this work in progress course called Start the Right Type of Business. So if you hear me referencing that kind of stuff today, now you'll understand why. If you want to check out the community for yourself, uh, it includes one-on-one live video coaching with me every week along with weekly uh, masterminds and goal check-ins and a big repository of past coaching sessions. And then when we have expert interviews like this, community members get to attend live and actually ask our experts' live Q&A on the call, which is pretty cool. If you want to learn more about that, you can go to dyf.link forward slash community. And for any of the show notes, you can go to dyf.link forward slash episode 89 and that's the number 89, lowercase, one word. We'll have all of the links for Joanna's stuff there, transcript, chat GPT highlights, that kind of thing. Uh, And if last call to action, if you want to check out that uh, beta course for yourself, it's within our DYF University membership, which is at dyf.link forward slash university. So let's jump into the interview. So Joanna, I'm just going to read off her bio here. She's the co-founder Of the award-winning design agency gift design studios and she's a leading business coach for ambitious creatives who want to take the shortcut she's based in porto portugal which fun fact we actually met up in person in porto only one time in my whole like three months that i was there (laughs) and her agency specializes in brand identities and conversion obsessed design and serves industry leaders in 17 countries on five continents Her coaching program ambitious creatives book solid helps freelancers get booked solid with dream projects to six figures and beyond without burnout and she speaks internationally on entrepreneurship and the power of design and creativity and her work has been featured in the guardian uk brand brilliance and digital arts magazine she's here today to talk to us about a lot of things really Uh, i really want to pick her brain about networking and we will also use this for the uh, start the right type of business course because of her experience running this kind of like lean bespoke agency. And I know that's what Thomas and Bruce are both looking forward to as well. But the secret sauce that I want to get from you, Joanna, especially is that networking stuff. So it's going to be like a dual purpose interview. Uh, so hello. Welcome.
1: Hi, Zach. So <laughs> good to talk to you. And thank you for You as for
0: having well. Me. Sure. So... um for this interview for those of you who haven't come to the series yet basically the core challenge in the community that the like start the right type of business series helps to address is kind of like the the starting an agency but not sure how big you want to scale it i hear a lot of people say that they want to start just a small agency but then in my personal experience running like a small agency kind of sucks because you have to be the project manager and the salesperson and all of the other little glue positions because you can't afford to hire all that out. Whereas if you had a big agency, you could. And I know your agency is relatively small, though I don't know how big it is now. I think it's a bit bigger now. So I want to basically dive into that, have you compare the product-based business with the agency business and um, and as I said, do the networking stuff. So from the networking perspective, the kind of core question that I have here from Patricia is like, it would be great to know how to approach people without the celebrity fan dynamic Uh, without being too salesy, but also kind of like selling yourself in that short conversation that you're having with somebody at a conference or something. And I you and I were chatting the other day about uh, what you did with Matthew Kimberly. You said, like, find the space where we are equals. And I thought that was a really cool hook that I for those of you here listening, I told her stop, save this for the real interview because this is great. So I'll be interested to dig into that with you. So um, I guess just to start, let's just get some basic info about your business. So Mm -hmm. what is the the current state of your agency? Like how much revenue do you do? How many team members do you have? What are your operating costs? All that stuff.
1: Oh, you really want everything.
0: I mean, you can give me a higher level if you want, but I just kind of (laughs) want to know what your current quote end state is of your agency right now.
1: Um okay so last year i think we we're looking at around 600,000 revenue for the year with seven full-time staff and our operation our average monthly costs was i think 20k okay i actually have the numbers here so our average monthly was 40,000 euros Average expense thirty
0: two thousand. So average income forty. Average expense thirty two. Mm-hmm. So you essentially put essentially six figures in your pocket a year. Yes. Okay. Now we do. Yeah. Also do.
1: inspired by our conversation, Zach. So very yeah. thankful for that.
0: <laughs> so I don't even like you keep telling me I like made such an impact, but I barely remember what I even said. So the one time Joanne and I met up in Porto, I apparently said some cool helpful stuff. What did i even say something about money i'm sure i
1: don't you know how like it's like it's not the person doesn't remember what you told them they remember how you made them feel how did i make you um i think first of all i remember feeling like oh zach understands like my anxiety around money and why this is so hard he empathizes and apparently I'm not and you you made me feel like I'm not alone and like this is something that everyone faces really and then um you also made me feel hopeful because I feel like you were a couple of steps ahead of me in your financial education Mm -hmm. at the time and you seem to since feeling how i was feeling in that moment till when we had the conversation you seemed to feel a lot more peace around money and how you managed your finances and everything so you made me feel hopeful that Mm. there was a a right way uh there was a um, there was a better way to do things yeah and and then you told me a bunch of resources I, I can't remember what they were, but I remember at the time I checked them out and <laughs> started to learn about them and prioritized uh, profit. Uh, but it was really like this idea of, I mean, to anyone who has heard Zach interview before, and it must be similar to how you um, converse with people. You You ask really deep and meaningful and thoughtful questions. And I think you oh. did that. In our conversation and made me really think about well what do i want Mm. out of life and in 50 years from now like if i was planning my retirement what does that look like what is Mm. that what do i need to live on and when i started to answer those questions i realized that um well i definitely want peace of mind i don't want to be in this constant chasing the money to pay the bills month on month and so for that i need more profit and a big cushion for the team and then i realized that i didn't need all that much for the lifestyle that i envision living with growing a family I, i needed to buy my own house um which we have my husband and i and i needed to i wanted to be able to afford private schooling for my kids and travel maybe twice a year with them um and so when i did the math yeah we're now working up towards what that looks like on paper and yeah, we really focused on building our savings.
0: And for those listening, which if you want me to cut it from the recording, tell me. But for those listening, when her and I chatted in Porto, it must have been, when was I trying to move to Porto? I guess like 2018 or 2019 or something. It's been a few years. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think when we were chatting then, you were like freaking out, struggling, like not worried, worried if you'd make the bills. And now Joanna has like, I think you said like 200K just in cash saved. Uh, as a cushion for the business or whatever and like that's so freaking cool so proud of you for that so that's awesome
1: yeah thank you
0: and especially when we look
1: can i say
0: i think i think it would i don't know if you said it but you should i
1: try and inspire everybody to to do the same because i remember when when i first heard somebody say i have 100k in the bank and i'm thinking like you're not even 30 how do you how is that possible um that became like a milestone and Really, They say money can't buy happiness, but it buys me peace of mind and better sleep, that's for sure.
0: And I know in that uh, interview you linked me to that you did with Chris Doe, is that his name? The future? Um, I think you mentioned profit first in that interview. And this is tangential, so guys, if you're bored by this, you can comment. But... Uh, on your route to going from where you were to where you are now, in a, in a more financially secure place, like what were the things that were influential? Was it profit first? Was it just this insight to like trying to be more profitable and cutting where it's not needed? Like what what made the difference between? Because when you and I first were chatting, like you were doing like 25, 30k thirty k a month, you were you were doing great gross revenue, you just weren't profiting. Like what was what changed? What influenced you on this route to profitability?
1: Um. I think a lot of things influenced me. Um, profit first was was a big one. But at the end of the day, what worked, like what actionable takeaways can people do to like mimic what we did? let look at the books every month, every week.
0: Mm. They it's say so what simple. gets measured gets managed. Uh,
1: it's so simple. And I was just, just avoiding it. Mm. Um And like to really look at it, like really understand your numbers and where they're going and reflect and iterate week upon week. Um, when we first, um, did a profit first assessment, we realized we were an agency operating on like 10% profit, some months Mm. less than that. And so the first thing we had to look, do is have a good hard look on our expenses. You know, just because we had the cash just didn't mean we should spend it. Mm. And I wasn't managing it very well. I was um, spending a lot of it on events, which I I believe it's thanks to events that the agency got to where um, we are. And it's thanks to events that I know you, Zach. But, you know, I didn't need to fly business.
0: Mm. I didn't need to sure is nice, isn't it?
1: stay in nice hotels. Um, I wasn't staying in ridiculous hotels, but I could have just done more Airbnb like I used to at the right. beginning when cash was <laughs> very uh what not as abundant and and uh, I was spending a lot on education and coaching and and then at the end of the day, we realized that also for the revenue we were bringing in we needed to we needed to increase our prices that was gonna take some time. Because can't just it's not easy to just magically double your prices and stay booked the same, um, and then we realized we also needed to cut staff. That was really hard to do.
0: Mm. And so with your current profitability, so you said that right now your income is forty k with thirty two k of expenses. Is that what you said?
1: Mm-hmm. That was our average and, last year.
0: And as I recall, Portugal charges you out the ass in taxes, like forty percent. So is that thirty-two k including your anticipated taxes, or is the tax going to be on top of that?
1: No. So on the profit, we will get taxed twenty-eight percent.
0: On the eight k a month, you'll get taxed eight percent, twenty-eight percent. Yeah. Okay. And then the forty k
1: pers- is more like or the forty percent is more on um staffing costs.
0: Mm, okay.
1: It's personal tax. Okay. Per, not personal. Sorry. <laughs> you know. I say I I'm more financial literate than when we when we first chatted but um I have a lot to <laughs> study still. But, but it's that so the 40 if is make on 100K what you take. Home. Yeah. Um a year in salary Portugal or the government will take 40%. Yeah. But in the business it'll take 20.
0: Cool. Okay, that's good to know. So given that the whole purpose of this like I have this flowchart thingy I can pull up for the Start the Right Type of Business course. But the whole purpose of this course is to help people connect with what kind of business they want to run. And so given that you take home 100 a year, roughly, like that's a nice solid number. Most people are pretty happy with with a low six-figure income. I'm kind of curious, like... Uh,
1: oh, but the, what, I pay myself, my husband and I, we also get a salary out of the business.
0: Oh, okay, cool. So, so this 100 k so in profit is, is in not...
1: The, that's why this money in, is in the bank, because we don't need it.
0: Oh, okay. So then let's clarify. So you're paying yourself a salary of whatever. You can say it if you want, you don't have to say it if you don't want to. And then the business is doing a hundred K in profit that is like, could be reinvested into growth or it's just a cushion or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So right okay. now it's just sitting there and you told me I need to do something about it.
0: <laughs> but you had a very good rebuttal, which is that you don't have the energy to do that. And I agreed with you.
1: I don't have the energy right now yet to learn yeah. how to, yeah.
0: Um, Okay, cool. So that paints kind of a good picture. So let's let's talk about how you got here. So um, I want to later in the interview compare like, so are you comfortable sharing what you pay yourself as a salary?
1: Yeah, but you know what? I'll also admit that it's not fixed. Okay. Um, If there are like, for example, I know that I'm in September, I'm going to want to pay my um, son's school for the year in bulk because you save money that way. And so I'll just take that out of the business. But
0: I mean, you can tell me your average Um, annual salary. But
1: it will be around three and a half K. So seven K for both of us
0: per month. Okay. So like a little bit under a hundred grand a year. so like 80 ish grand a year. So here's the question. We don't
1: have a mortgage. We paid the house in cash. Like there's all these.
0: Yeah. And I'm I'm not doing this to paint your like big baller lifestyle. I'm doing it for the following question which is if you're paying yourself 70-ish, 80-ish grand a year and you're comparing making 80 grand a year, let's say, from running this agency to 80 grand a year with your product-based business to 80 grand a year as like a solo freelancer designer, I'll be really interested to hear where, what, what your preferences are, what you think the pros and cons are of the different routes compared to each other. Um, so have that spinning in your mind, but I want to hear yours. Oh, Actually, you're about to say something, so you can say something if you want. But I'll—I was going to ask you your backstory first.
1: Well, let's say it. Oh, you—you want to do, do the backstory first?
0: You were about to answer. Let's let's tap into the creative, off-the-cuff answer.
1: Um, if I, because it's eighty grand. Is that the math of how much I pay myself a year?
0: Uh, well, seven times twelve. Let's see, eighty-four yeah, so thousand a year.
1: The profit, right? That we have. So it's almost like hundred and eighty. I'm like for the work I do at the agency, I'm like, that's the dream. Um, I would do this, I would choose this path all over again. My problem is that I don't know how to have free time. <laughs> I don't know, you know, I don't like, unfortunately for me, I don't like life the easy way and I am ambitious and I started this other business. So I think if, I don't know, now just, having running the agency sounds really appealing or just running the product business it's just the both of them that feels a little bit overwhelming but yeah. it, it's it's really appealing um because i you know if I, I i would imagine that if i had gone down the freelancing route um what was the third route
0: product-based business agency solo freelancer
1: oh yeah product based.
0: So your ambitious, creative, book, solid business.
1: Like, I'm like, well, the agency, the agency is the dreamiest option of all. Mm. Because um, it's the one that at the moment, after a decade of running it, requires, it's what comes easiest. Mm. Product-based business still all very um, new. And it's what requires the least of my time. Mm. I can probably go a week where I only need to do an hour of work a day, for gift design studios to run, well, cool. Um, and so, and to be able to take that amount of money from the business, that's the dream.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, it's and, a sellable
0: and, business now too. Is the nice bit.
1: You know, I, I think it still needs a lot of work to be sellable, but I I could be wrong. Um, but you know, it's the business that gave me two maternity leaves without me having to check email the business that gave me enough free time in my hands to then want to start another business um but um i've i've built it in a way that i could i have sometimes removed myself from sales completely removed myself from project management removed myself from creative direction quality control like it's funny because i know i do a lot But in conversations now, I'm like, yeah, what do I do at the agency?
0: (laughs) Have you done your time tracking exercise yet?
1: Not yet, no.
0: (sighs) I was nagging her about this last week, guys.
1: Because last week was the week that I was was meant to take off. And then we had a couple of fires come up. Oh, so you didn't get to do your
0: restoration holiday thing? No. Oh, that sucks. We had two
1: fires come up. My daughter almost got admitted into hospital as well, so there's that with Ooh, kids. that's great. She's, she's good now. good. Um, so now so
0: for the structure, can you remind me? so you said how many staff total, including you? Eight. okay, and what no. do these
1: seven last year.
0: okay what uh how does the the role break down? like who does what of these people? You've got the so joanna
1: for for the agency, yeah. it's seven. um I'm CEO creative director. Uh, my husband is a chief technical officer, if we want to give a fancy title, but he'll handle the development and the dev team that we sometimes subcontract. Um, we've got Joanna A, who's operations manager, and she wears a lot of hats. So she runs the she's studio manager, also project manager. And then we've got our lead designer. And a senior and two juniors, or mm. I guess one could be considered mid-level now. And that's everyone. Yeah.
0: Cool. And so, in terms of the, I'm I'm trying to think of your average project because I want to like paint this picture for the people listening. Like, uh, I think that you said your typical project is the brand identity, but also the website, but I'm kind of curious, like how often are you doing tech stuff versus strictly design stuff?
1: By tech, you mean development like website of stuff? Websites? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I should have looked at my numbers before this, but I would say like every three projects, one will only be branded entity. The other ones will always come with design. But, um, to give you an idea in terms of hours, branded entity projects, we reserve 80 hours to do the brand identity websites we reserve 200 hours for the design and normally they can be developed in 100 hours average um, no actually i would say 150 hours 100 hours for design for the website 200 is like a one with a lot of long sales pages and we charge 30k for Brand identity and website design. That's an average. If it's just brand identity, it's now eighty five hundred.
0: Okay. So thirty k for something that takes two hundred and thirty staff hours. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred and thirty k per or one hundred and thirty dollars an hour, and you obviously pay less than that. So yeah. So there's some good baseline profitability. Um, let me think of what other background things. So right now your clients. Mostly are pretty much all coming from your network and from word of mouth and stuff, right? Yes, okay, so we we'll chat have, more about
1: we did yeah. we did um we always look at where they come from, and slowly, clients who find us from footers of websites that we've designed is increasing. I think last year it was eleven uh, percent mm. which I think is like one client or two <laughs> I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I get website footer clients. It's like one of those old vestiges of like like why who even decided it was okay to link back in the website footer? I don't know, but I sure appreciate it because I do indeed yeah. get clients that way. yeah, it's like the uh license plate thingy from a car dealership um and how many clients do you reckon you work with a year? How many different clients
1: um so we only work with around ten new clients a year. I've seen. Uh, that has been an average, which I remember the first time I saw these statistics, I was like, Oh, is that it? Like I need <laughs> to gain less than one client a month. And then we have a lot of repeat clients and that's where it gets hard to like paint like a, a, a simple picture because sometimes they'll, they just need a couple of things here and there. Other times they do want a completely new website for this new venture or this new project that they're doing, um. But I think it was 60% of last year was repeat clients and 40% new ones.
0: Okay. Cool. So something uh, to give some context to the audience, something that I think is interesting about Joanna is that she has her kind of like coaching product-based business that she markets with like typical internet marketing style things. Um, but she doesn't do that for... Her agency, like she doesn't do the blueprint style marketing. I for the tried.
1: To, for me, I couldn't make it work.
0: <laughs> so that was what I was going to ask. So, like, you did that interview with the future, which got you hella views and stuff. Like, how did you book that? And could you book that sort of thing for your agency?
1: It's, it's funny because it's like everything comes down to the relationships and how you build relationships. I, f- I find at least with everything that has happened in the trajectory of my agency. And I can, I can reverse engineer, you know, how you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. I can reverse engineer everything down to replying to a tweet (laughs) to Chris Ducker. That's how we know each other. That's how I Mm -hmm. end up knowing, getting on the future. It all, like, it all comes down to that. And, um, and so my approach to uh, like like even even now before before this I was like to watch other interviews before an interview so I can like get inspired, and I was reading I was listening to Ali Abdal, he is a big YouTuber and he's talking about his coach, um and his coach his business coach is used to work in or was uh big role in in Skype and then helped in the sale of that and then did a bunch of other things in in very big businesses and he now lives in Portugal and so I'm like huh I'm gonna figure out a way to to talk to him and get to know him and so Mm. my strategy is always similar it's like how can I introduce myself to him talk to him but in a way that will be different to everybody else and in a way that is not like oh my god I'm such a fan of your work or how typically I would say that these people get approached um and so I always look for common ground first so what you were saying and you know the minute that Ali Abdal said he lived in Portugal I'm like okay that's one common ground now Mm. let me go dig through socials and see what else like where does he live does he live anywhere near where i could provide value or offer like i saw that he has kids you know do i go is my angle about like the schools here in portugal and did he opt for international you know like i will start to look for things where we can strike a conversation Mm. you never want to go in with a pitch even if you already have an end goal in mind, like, um, unless it's something that they you, the potential of them saying yes is very high. Like if I had a really famous podcast and I wanted him to come on my podcast, maybe a simple email, selling the podcast and doing the pitch would suffice. But since I don't have a simple ask and one that comes with embedded credibility, I need to find other angles um, mm. and what the example you, or what you picked up on what uh, of the story I told you about is I always find like, where are we equals and not like me and them. Um, and so like when, when I, like the example I told you is when I landed uh, for a conference in the Philippines where we met and I saw that one of the speakers was uh getting picked up in the same taxi as as i am as i was i i thought okay like where's the common where's something that where we have common ground oh we both do business with clients in the us but we're both based out of europe and malta and portugal you know so can i start with that and we just i started having a conversation being like how do you like i also you know like we're equal i also live in a country less developed economically and you know, where not mm. that much happens in our world. How do you deal with that? Do you feel isolated? How do you keep relationships and um with with your network in the States? And, you know, immediately we're like sharing a pain point or sharing uh and, similar stories.
0: And in this instance where it's like somebody who is a speaker, like if you're going to a networking event, obviously you know what speakers will be there because it's published. Do you research in advance to find that common ground, or do you try to find that just on the spot?
1: Sometimes I could try to find that on the spot, but I'll find that a lot harder. I'm I don't think I'm very good at making that kind of conversation, you know, talking about the weather and stuff. Like, yeah, um, I think my husband would deal much better in that kind of scenario you know, where he can strike up conversation with strangers and talk about nothing for ages. <laughs> um I prefer to do the research. I think that's um my personality type, but I would imagine a lot of people hearing this might identify as similar where they prefer maybe they're more introverted and they prefer to come to conversation a little bit prepared.
0: Yeah, um, for sure. And what's that process look like? That like research prep process? Ugh.
1: it's very organic you know just (laughs) see where what you can find about them online and follow a thread of where like you're similar um and sometimes it's just as simple as like oh location okay deal with that or oh they mentioned this book let me talk about that Mm. um with with so how i told you that i could trace everything back to a tweet it was that chris uh, Ducker was doing an interview selling his book, Virtual Freedom and talking about, and and I think was also publicizing his virtual staffing agency. And he said, if you're not a graphic designer, don't graphic design, leave that to the people who know what they're doing. And I remember I just tweeted at him like, thank you for sharing that. If you're not a graphic designer, don't graphic design because it you know, helps us stay in business, you know, <laughs> me, freelance graphic designer. He saw from my Twitter bio that at the time I was based in London, and he was about to come from the Philippines to London to host a one-day mastermind. He saw that as a sales opportunity and invited me to to go to attend his mastermind. And I had never been sold to before that way. Like I didn't understand. I thought it was a genuine invite, and but it maybe like I'm sure what there there's genuine aspects to it he he thought i would benefit and it would be a good fit but um he was like oh i'm hosting this event you should come i had to take a day off work for that i was still at my nine to five and it was the most money i had ever spent it was 250 pounds i think around three hundred dollars um but he invited me and i was like okay sure um And, yeah, and that's where he told me about the event in the Philippines, which Mm. is where I met Matthew Kimberly. And then it was at an event hosted by Matthew Kimberly, that um, someone was a student of Chris Doe's community um, and said, you should be a guest on his channel. Let me make the intro.
0: Ah, cool.
1: And so with Chris Doe, it's kind of like I got lucky.
0: Yeah, but you put yourself in the, in the room. situation yeah. to get the luck.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, you have to keep putting yourself out there so that opportunities can come your way. And so I want to reverse they don't happen when we're yeah. locked and not talking to anyone in our yeah. computers. Yeah.
0: And so I want to try to reverse engineer some of this into a framework. Uh, so you mentioned that it, your process is organic, but I also made a note like that you made that that comment about a book. So if you were to try to just, you don't have to necessarily make it into some process, but if you were to just list off a few examples of things that you'd look out for for common ground, like do you always, it sounds like you don't think it's important that that common ground is business related or even related to your profession or or anything that is just common ground or general. And maybe, maybe it's even better if it's not business related. I don't know. But you mentioned a book. You mentioned where you live. You mentioned kids. Like, what are some other examples of things you might look for? Would you look for hobbies? Would you look for mutual relationships? Like, list off examples. I'll shut up now.
1: Yeah, all of that. (laughs) All of that. What else? um, Definitely mutual contacts. Um, You know, that's my other, that's next on my list of this business coach that I just, I don't, to be honest, I don't even have an end game. I was just like, I like to keep adding people to my list of people who I know because mm. if, if, if you want a framework my framework is first it's just the more people know about who you are what you do and for whom the more likely it is that you'll get referrals coming your way mm. or opportunities you know the more people know about who you are and what you're after the more likely it is that they'll opportunities will come your way for example the year I wanted to start speaking I started in every conversation I I made a note to myself, just remember to mention, you're looking for speaking gigs. So I would drop mm. it, that into any conversation I had, and that got people introducing me to people. And okay, so if you, if we work off that sentence of like, the more people know about what who you are, what you do, and for whom, the more likely it is that they'll send people your way we need to work on our network and for that my framework it's not polished yet it doesn't have alliteration or whatever yet i think it did at one point i just forgot i just know that the the main thing is you know like the three three pillars you've got alignment so is who you're you need to keep adding people to your network but you need to think alignment are they aligned with either the type of clients that I want or the mission. You know, there's no point in meeting the top expert in something completely related to what you want to do, right? And so there's alignment. Then you need volume. So you need to keep adding people. It doesn't matter if you just know the one important person. You need more for opportunities to come your way. And then the most important one is depth of the relationship. Um because sure you can find common ground to strike the first conversation, but how do you keep deepening the relationship over the years? And how do you keep having multiple conversations and eventually getting invited to things?
0: Mm. Um, and how do you?
1: It's hard. You <laughs> you just um a really good tool is Dex.
0: Dex? Dex. With with an X or a C-K-X? Dex. yeah. Okay. Getdex.com. Oh, like Rolodex, okay.
1: You put um, the people you want to stay in touch with, and you say how frequently, and I'll just remind mm. you, reach out to them. Um, Zach, I obviously don't use it. Otherwise, I would have reached out to you sooner. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying to, like, because I've always done it organically, and now that I haven't done it proactively because I'm more focused on being a parent, I realize that that has had an impact in business. Because um, before it came naturally because I was I was going to like eight events a year, and so naturally I kept reaching out to my network, being like, "Are you going to this event?" and you see the
0: same people and things like that. Like it just comes up.
1: Yeah, And they introduce you to other people, and or there you go to a conference, you you meet someone that was there, and they'll they'll be like, "Hey, come out to lunch with us. We're going. Uh, let me introduce you to these other people right. as well." um so i do think if anyone's in a position to go to live events i do think that's the easiest way Mm. to form in-depth relationships um because most of the relationships you'll you'll make you you can go deeper much quicker at events than if you're relying on like exchanges of comments on social media or zoom calls
0: (laughs) Mm. and that was going to be my question is like if an online only approach is viable or if it's if doing the in-person like it sounds I mean I can at least say for myself that the connections forged in person like it's just really hard to to match that online do you okay. do you think there's a viable online only route or do you think you kind of really need to do some in-person stuff
1: I do because I've done it I've had um, relationships with people online who would it I didn't meet them in person until like five years later and mm. one in particular that comes to mind, we ended up working on a lot of projects. Like I guess with um,
0: Delia, right? That was online first. No,
1: no, Laura Hudson. Delia, mm. we met in person right away. I was like, Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. I was like, let me fly to Barcelona because it's an hour flight and an excuse to leave the house. Um <laughs> but I remember Laura, she was a. we met through B school, we met through Commenting on each other's posts on Facebook, and then we hopped on Zoom once, and then we carried on messaging each other. And But it happened effortlessly because I think we had a lot of things in common, and then we started referring clients to each other because I only did design, she only did development and Mm. that kept the relationship alive right because then we had work things to talk about and then we'd get on calls to discuss work things we'd end up talking personal things um so i do think that it is possible to maintain relationships online only but if you think about zach we we went to a four-day event how many hours did we have together a lot yeah we wouldn't have been able to match that in such a short amount of time online
0: yeah. Especially like what I'm thinking about is your your approach for how you would net with like ne- network with a speaker or someone who's kind of like further along the path than you. And that one, I feel like would be really hard to reproduce online because typically if someone is in that position, they have like so many more social media demands on their time. And if social media is kind of the main place, like how would that even work? I don't know if you have any ideas, but that one seems like it might be tough online.
1: But it is. But if you're always looking for opportunities to either talk or develop the relationship further, I'm sure they will come. Mm. Like um, the example where I, I reached out to Selena Su, um, someone who I admired, I was on her newsletter. I reached out to her cold. I said, I, I, I'm about to hand in my notice. Your newsletters have helped me a lot. I want to show my appreciation. She didn't reply. I don't think. Or maybe she replied very generic reply. Mm. Another email newsletter she sends out, I reply to her. By the third time I do this, she's like, so thoughtful of you. I'm so happy you're enjoying my newsletters. Um, what do you do? Mm. And I That's said, cool. um, I'm a graphic designer, I just started. yeah, um, if you ever need any graphic design, let me know. And she started asking me about pricing, who do I work with, da 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 Through that exchange, she also gave me some tips, which I thought was really generous. Um, but she was also probably understanding, like, well, what does she charge in case I ever need anyone? Mm. And because I stayed top of mind, because I kept replying to her newsletters, it happened that one day her designer called in sick on the eve of a launch, and she I was top of mind.
0: Mm, and
1: so cool. she called in, she, she emailed me. Um, I pulled an all nighter to help her cause I had to work the next day. So the only extra time I had was at night <laughs> and I got it done. And that, you know, that furthered the relationship. So then I carried on emailing and trying to keep that alive. But then it was when she posted on Facebook that she needed an assistant to help her with a mastermind she was hosting in New York that I volunteered. And I was like, okay, this is my opportunity to really deepen the relationship. Even though it was gonna be unpaid, I was gonna have to fly myself there, put myself in a hotel there. Um to anyone out like looking in that could be that could seem like, well, that's even to Selena, she was like, Are you sure that doesn't seem like a smart decision? Like you're gonna pay to do volunteer work? And I told her, I was like, Look, no task will be beneath me. I will be super professional, but I know that but I, I'm I'm doing this. Because I know that being around you, I will learn a, a ton. I'm I just wanna be around you. You don't even need to give me much time of day, but just witnessing how you do things will help me, I'm sure. And um by the end of the week, you know, she was uh you know, it was a really tough week. There was a lot of we worked from seven AM to seven PM by I was commuted commuting to Brooklyn for uh to an Airbnb. I ended up she was like, just stay here stop commuting because I need you here at 7am tomorrow again. So (laughs) I just stayed at her house and, you know, it's like, it just got deep really fast. Right. Because it was in, in this, uh, in a situation that, how could it not be? You know, I was living through the ups and downs with her of that week. I was helping her as much as I could. And then by the end of the week, she took us out for a spa date and for dinner. Um, and the last day. Uh, that I was meant to work for her, she was like, actually, I'm going to hire an assistant on TaskRabbit to help me with a party and you're going to come as my guest. Mm. And so I came to her business anniversary party as her guest. And that's where I got introduced to Lewis House and Derek Halpern and Ramit Sethi and Jim Quick. Um, Yeah, so many people who then became clients as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's like a classic example of you Kind of taking a bit of a risk, but taking it in a calculated way where you are putting yourself into what could be a really lucrative situation in terms of you leveling up, getting good connections, things like that. Like you were essentially getting into the thick of the day-to-day life of a dream client. I thought that was quite cool. Yeah. So for those of you guys who are live here, so Bruce and Thomas, if you guys have any questions you want to put into the chat on this networking topic before we go. before we move on, rather, uh, I'm going to ask a couple. So as I'm reflecting on all the stuff that you've said so far, Joanna, and I'm thinking about that question of, okay, so how do I approach somebody at an event without the celebrity fan dynamic, without being salesy, but also selling myself? It sounds like the answer is like, you maybe don't sell yourself in air quotes. Like what's what's the transition from connecting with, so let's say Matthew Kimberly, you're talking about the Malta thing you're talking about the common ground. What's the transition from that to talking about yourself? Is it just you wait to be asked, basically, or what's your like yeah. flow like?
1: No, definitely I wait to be asked. Inevitably, if you get into a genuine conversation, they people will want to know a little bit about you too. Yeah, right. They'll think, oh Zach, like you've you've just been helping me so much with with this. What about you? Where are you from? What do you do?
0: Yeah, makes sense. So it's kind of like, it sounds like it's less about going into it, trying to get something out of it and more about like the, the theme that I'm seeing everywhere is just, it's about building relationships okay. and that's kind of, that's it. So just any opportunity to make more connections, build more relationships, sorted. Yeah.
1: It's what I imagine. I mean, I met my husband really young, but it's what I would imagine dating is like, you know, you don't, <laughs> you don't go in and, and find someone's. Profile and and ask them to to marry them, you know, or go on a date right away. You you have conversations and and you don't you also don't show up to the date and be like, okay, so here's why you should marry me. I um uh, this 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 these are my flaws. What do you think? Are you in? <laughs> um, you know, so it's it's very organic and and I don't I don't even see them being a client as the end result because. If you think back to like the more people know about who you are, what you do, and for whom the more likely it is they'll they'll bring work your way, then it's really just about expanding your network. It's about like, okay, well, can they introduce me to other people too?
0: Is there like what's the because obviously, if you are making the connection and you're missing some of those those pillars you shared earlier, like then you might build a network, but not necessarily in a way that moves you in the direction you want to go. Like if you were to build a, let's almost say like a weekly relationship building practice, is it like what amount of time would you spend each week and what kinds of things would you do? Would you be just like reaching out to people who would be potential clients, would have connections with potential clients, be peers? Like what type of, if you were to be strategic, who would you be building relationships with?
1: Uh, well, me right now, or because I know if I have, some extra time right now, I would probably like. Here's what I would love to do I would love to, like, every day for an hour take myself to a nice cafe where I feel inspired. Maybe go through like some past pictures, some past Instagram posts, and think, like, oh yeah, at Tropical Think Tank, I met this person. I met Zach. I haven't reached out to him in a while. Mm. I would probably see from socials what you're doing. And I'd write as thoughtful of an email as I could be like hey Zach um how have you been since you were last in Portugal um you know like I saw that you've been up to this this and this how is it you know like I would old school letter style right if you had a pen pal that's what I would do um and I would just Reach out to past clients, find how their website is doing, what offerings they're, how things have changed. And I would just write thoughtful, longish emails.
0: So you would prioritize if you were spending, let's say, you said an hour a day, right? Like, so let's say you were just spending an hour a day. I have
1: day. a lot of people too that I want to get reconnected <laughs> with. <laughs> I think the pandemic plus kids, just I'm out of touch with everyone. So right now I feel like I could do with an hour a day.
0: Yeah. So you, if you were to spend that time, so you think for anyone, probably that time would be better spent reconnecting with people they already know who might be in the kind of direction they're wanting to go versus prioritizing new relationships. So it sounds like you go nurture more so than get new ones.
1: I think nurture, that's what I would go nurture now because, um, I think with nurture, I could also get new relationships. Mm. Um, Makes
0: sense because they connect you, you with know, people, that, and then you get. But
1: there's a yeah. lot of people that you could introduce me to, and there's a lot of people I could introduce you
0: to. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess you know, it's better so to build a relationship. So why not spend some
1: time talking about seeing what synergies we have in our networks and who could we benefit from knowing? Because if you introduce me to someone who trusts you, they're going to be a lot more likely to give me time of day than if I cold pitch myself to them.
0: Totally. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. And I think the same thing. And uh by by like leveraging that, like you're chatting, you're like, oh, that's cool. Who did who you learn? Or if I'm just like, hey, Joanna, you should talk to blank person. Like, yeah, you're you're starting from it kind of has you starting from equal footing because now this other person is making the intro and it's not like you asking this person for their time, this third party saying you guys should chat because I think you'd both find each other interesting. Very cool. I like that.
1: Yeah. And like you could, I, I've had people make really thoughtful intros into like describing like, okay, so here's Joanna, this is what she does. She, in a recent conversation, she mentioned this, I've immediately thought of you because you did that. And here's where I thought you, um, here's some topics that I thought you could talk about if you chatted and Joanna, this, here's this person, this is what they do, da-da-da-da-da. And that has made for really interesting first conversations with people.
0: Mm. And yeah, and if you're the one who makes the intro, then you get like brownie points for being the matchmaker as well.
1: It's also a good way to stay top of mind passively because then every time those two people will connect, they'll remember who you are and what you do, doing for hope.
0: <laughs> so suppose I'm just a freelancer, right? Like let's say that I am a web developer. I don't have too many... I don't really have too many contacts in my target market. Like I know kind of who I want to do websites for, but I have done like one client maybe. Let's say I haven't even done a client a client project in this niche yet. And I don't really have any contacts in the niche, and I'm like friends with some other web developers, but they're just like web developers who do generalized work or are staff members like What do you think the first step for me is? Is it going to an event? the people in my target audience are going to go to? And I just like try to build authentic relationships. Is it talking to my other developer connections? Like, what do you think my first step should be?
1: Oh, I think going to an event is a great first step. Um, but of course, it's hard to know which events, but if you could find one that is is mid-sized, so it's not too big that you get overwhelmed and lost by not knowing anybody. You know, I think Tropical Think Tank had 50 people. I think that was a great size and the fact that we were there for three days, it really allowed everybody to know who everyone was by the end of the day. I'm pretty sure, Zach, we could both name everybody that was there the year we were there Yeah. for the years. Um, and so that would be a great way to, to start. Um, if you didn't want to go to events just yet, I would also recommend uh, building strategic partnerships. So who serves your ideal clients with complimentary services to you? Um, if you're a developer, make friends with designers, photographers, copywriters, business coaches, um, and start that way rather than cold pitching your services to your potential mm. clients. Um, can you join a Facebook group or a Discord community uh, where your potential clients are hanging out? And just provide a lot of value. Like I remember, I think 100 of my first clients came from the B-School Facebook group, an online Mm. course that I was a part of. And when it came to the module of launch your website, because it's a course, online course all about how to launch your online business. So there was a module all about launching your website. And even though in it, they taught how to do it yourself. A lot of people were like, I don't have time to figure this out who here can help me? And so that week, I was just answering everybody's comments. I was just Mm. helping out. I was jumping on free calls, helping. Um, And that suddenly I became the person, the go-to person if you wanted a website. And I started to get a lot of business from that, from that status that I got just from being helpful and adding value to people.
0: Something I find interesting about all the things that seem to have worked well for you is that it seems like quite often the things that have turned out well have been uh, a consequence of a financial investment on your part. Like you joined B-School, very expensive course. Tropical Think Tank, quite an expensive event. Like you're going to paid events or you flew yourself out to do this sort of like self-driven internship with that woman. Like I think that there is probably something to be said for being... Being in communities where there is a bit of a barrier to entry, where people are taking things more seriously or something like that. I don't know what thoughts you have on that thread.
1: Yeah, a lot of people don't like to hear like, oh, pay to be in the room and pay to get access. But that's how I got to where I'm now. And I think if mm-hmm. now I wanted to drastically change the level of clients that I serve, a fastest way would probably be to pay for another event where i could find these people um i've bartered my way into events before um there was a an event that was 10k for two days and i'm like i don't i can't do this mm. but i asked the host like is there anything i can do in exchange i'd really love to do it and we did and i we bartered And I got to go to the event and I got to be in the room and have lunch with people I otherwise don't think I would have.
0: Nice. Even if I I had
1: implemented all my best tactics of networking, because they are just that many steps ahead. You know, like, Mm. even if I'm, I don't think I could ever get in, I could never get Oprah to talk to me. I don't, with all my, you know, like, just so many steps ahead. I could possibly pay to get in the room with her. Yeah. It's probably also very expensive, (laughs) you know, but it's, you have to also understand where you're at and the level of people you can network with. I think 10 years, now 10 years, um, you know, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have as easily been able to get access to people that maybe now it's a little bit easier. Yeah, because I could just name drop, or I could ask for the intro directly.
0: So, I, I have a couple things I want to circle back on. Uh, so, one of them is that starting of the network, and the other one is the strategic partnership. So, again, supposing I'm a developer, and I don't have a lot of clients or clout, can't name drop anybody, does the first step of starting a network look like finding finding like a design agency, building that relationship? Because because that's the thing that I'm trying to reverse engineer about about your situation that's kind of unique here is that with you uh, doing networking with like bigger internet marketers and stuff, that works because your clients are internet marketers. But I'm trying to imagine like if I'm a developer who serves like, I don't know, like industrial manufacturers or something where it's less of a, maybe this is an assumption I'm making, but where it's like less of a networking-y kind of crowd. I'm wondering what that looks like.
1: There are events for everything,
0: so you'd go to the industrial manufacturers of Portugal event and just chat with people and like build personal connections, and that's how you'd approach it, yeah and for... and i
1: would if if it was if now you told me like okay, go go get clients in that industry, and I'm like, okay, well, I know nothing about that industry, I would look at who do I know, and I would start asking around and um and it could be like oh my dad has a friend who is in this industry and i could be like dad could you ask them like if there's any podcast they listen to or an Mm. event that they go to and i would i would use that as a starting point maybe i'd go to the event and i'd i'd just be curious you need to like immerse yourself in their world learn their language learn their pain points um and see where, yeah, just see where you can find common ground again, and see where you can add value. But I wouldn't go in booth to booth and pitch myself. Right. I'd be like, "Oh, so cool!" Like, so how long have you been in business? You know, ask a lot of questions, and then if you can ask, like, what, um, how did you learn how to grow your business to this point, and mm. and see what else you can. Yeah, I don't know. I just ask a lot of questions until they ask you what you do.
0: <laughs> and if you were to do, like, let's say you were to try to build a strategic partnership with an agency. So let's say you wanted to approach a web development agency or something. What's your approach usually look like if you're cold outreaching, not with someone you met at an event? Like what what's your kind of cold outreach approach look like?
1: Well, I actually have an email template that's like, I Is think that the Delia. One Delia mentioned. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Give
0: us the link for that. Sure.
1: So, so you can like just swipe that email, but, um, basically if you want, well, my technique would be like to start with making the email really personal so that they know it's not a generic pitch to all the agencies out there. So do your research, spend time. It's worth investing. It's better like to send five of these emails where you've taken the time and research than 500 of generic emails that. Right. clearly a template. You won't get a reply that way or not likely. And then you want to compliment the agency you're reaching out to as well so that immediately when they're reading, they don't know what the email is about yet, but they already want to read the next line because you made them feel good.
0: So you like say some project they did well or something about their positioning or what kind of compliment.
1: Yeah, pick up on something that's not generic again. So pick up Mm. on like, oh, I saw that, you know, for, for GIF, what I would pick up on is like if you had seen said something like, oh, just congratulations on turning eight. I saw the series mm. of posts you did recently, particularly lo- loved the eight books or the eight, I, I forgot like what already went out on socials, but you know, and, and that would that would be like, oh, that's nice to hear. You know, I'm glad that someone's reading our social media or that the book post was helpful to someone, you know? so So now the person reading it is feeling good and is reading the next line and already like is trusting the person sending the email a little bit more because you can tell that they've been thoughtful with their outreach and they've spent some time and it hasn't just been blasted out and they actually want to reach you personally and also make sure the email is addressed to the right person because it's not that hard to find out who works at gift design studios. And when they, once we get an email that says like,
0: dear sir or madam.
1: Yeah. I'm like,
0: to really. your webmaster.
1: To whom this may concern. Like yeah. you can find out to whom it concerns exactly. Like it's not hard. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then like try and keep your pitch as succinct as possible. You know, Delia was like, I don't know if you need a extra pair of hands for your projects, and then give them all the relevant information. Delia mentioned she's happy working behind the scenes white labeling or dealing directly. Uh, front and center with the clients. That's relevant information. She mentioned like the type of clients she worked with. Uh, she had a testimonial and she had other links to previous works and other things I could check out to further um, understand if I wanted to talk to her or not.
0: Can you hear these thunders that are happening? Yes. Yeah. Sounds very ominous. All right, continue. Sorry, I just had to call attention That's to it. thunder? That's thunder. Explosive wow. thunder. So if I just disappear, it's because the internet went. Um, continue. <laughs> Sorry to throw you off.
1: Um, no, but yeah, and it just that's the email. And then you just end with a clear call to action. Okay. Maybe it's do you want to wanna meet on Zoom for twenty minutes? Hmm. Um, no, a lot of people have sent me that exact email, have swiped my template because I <laughs> talk about it a lot. We have, I have so many versions of this of my template used on me. It's. <laughs> hilarious. Um, But I've actually only taken two meetings. Mm. And so then I I think it's relevant to share this because then it's not just about the email. I took these two meetings because the two agencies that were pitching me, their portfolio is really strong. Mm. And so I really think that we could collaborate with. And one of them was because they serve clients that I want to serve too. Mm. um or we serve very similar clients and i serve clients that they want to serve so there's like yeah they're a video marketing agency so yeah for me i was like okay no brainer i want to meet with you and okay i want to meet with you this is because i'm at a point where i'm not as open as i once was to take meetings to everybody so also take that into account into who you're targeting you'll be more likely to get more meetings with people at similar levels
0: that makes sense and i
1: also at a place where they're just starting out they still need to grow the network yeah
0: and i like your point about the meetings you did take because that's that's a really good thing to keep in mind is if you're reaching out to an agency like be thinking about what do they get out of it why why would they want to work with me versus some other web developer and trying to be sure to have that deal be sweetened because you know not everyone's going to have the target clients that you would want, but there might be something else that they could mention. This is cool. Yeah. I'm going to... So it's not trend- just
1: about the email, you know, like some people are yeah. like, I sent your email, it didn't work. I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, alignment, that's the one of the pillars, like there needs to be alignment there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the portfolio quality, I think that goes a really long way. Like somebody could have the best copywritten email in the world, but if you go and look at their work and it's just not that strong, you're not going to send your clients to them. Or if you, like I think about myself, I've, I've never found an SEO partner to refer my web design clients to who I felt just really confident they knew their shit. After all the time in business, I just never found one. And so, you know, if someone sends me a really, really good email, but then I go to their website and they don't have any testimonials or they don't have any past clients or they don't have something that makes me believe that this person really, really knows what they're doing, I'm, I'm obviously not going to pursue that even if the email is really, really good. So I think that's a good point. So if anyone in the chat has questions on the networking thing, ask them now. But I'm going to transition now, Joanna, into talking a little bit about your different um, like, business models that you've had over the years. Is there anything before we transition that you want to mention on this networking thread? Like Any final thoughts or like limiting belief systems you had to move past or just miscellaneous closing notes on the networking piece?
1: Just know it's, it's a slow game. Be patient mm. um, if that if this becomes a strategy now to get clients, just know that some of the fruits you will only collect after a year. So just plant the seeds, keep watering them. You will collect fruits. It just takes some time,
0: yeah, I love that. What do you reckon a good like early early feedback mechanism is that shows you're kind of on the right track instead of using the KPI as like getting clients? Is I don't think there is talk to people. I don't okay. think
1: I don't think there is one because like for example, like I met someone at an event seven years ago. We've stayed in touch and only now that they've quit where they were mm. and started on their own did they start sending me clients. Like I mm. didn't know. I didn't know that was gonna happen, you know, like
0: makes sense. But it's a yeah. I guess about being in the game long enough to be able to see the fruits grow.
1: But you know the feedback mechanisms, like you know the, it's going well if if you feel that every interaction you have with that person is, a little bit more meaningful, mm. and if you're able to keep it, uh, consistent, without it always feeling forced and without you always initiating.
0: Okay, that's good. I like that as a, a KPI. So with your business, uh, you were you working as a designer, like an employed designer before you quit or what What was your day job before?
1: Yes, I was employed at a design agency.
0: And then you quit that and you went straight from that into your like self-led internship for that woman whose name I forgot or what was that transition period like?
1: Um, well, I so I, I took B-School and then I was doing B-School on the side of my job. And taking mm. a lot of clients from B school and it just very quickly I very quickly grew a wait list of six months and that gave me enough safety to quit my job. And so okay. I just went full on freelancing full time. Okay,
0: cool. And so you basically you built enough freelance revenue that it outweighed your job revenue and then quit the job.
1: Yeah. From but that was from day one. Yeah.
0: Okay. And so how long were you a solo freelancer before you started? scaling
1: um so i think timeline wise it was like i graduate in may start working in july um multiple internships first free a full-time job in september by february i enroll in b school march i start making i start matching my salary i quit in may so it wasn't that long Um, so I really was only at my full-time job from September till May. It (laughs) wasn't even a full year. Um, and then in June, I move here in July. We have our first full-time employee. August, we have our second. October, we move into our offices.
0: Wow. I hadn't realized it so fast. So what year is this that we're talking about?
1: 2014.
0: Okay. So May of 2014. You worked with your first client in B-School? I'm just, I'm trying to no, lay out March. this timeline. March
1: 2014, I start working with my first clients.
0: And then, By May, May I you quit. quit your job. Okay. Yeah,
1: because March, like, I, I had to give in um, these numbers for an article I wrote on Business Insider. And March, I made 4K. It was my first month freelancing. um, And I made 4K selling $900 brand entities. I was just working a lot. Fueled by adrenaline and I was 22, so it's like easy to go on no sleep. Um, And then April, I do a little bit more by May. I'm already doing like 7K months, 8K months. That's why I'm able to then fly myself to New York. Um,
0: And then when did you say you got your first staff member? July. And your first staff member was a designer, I guess? I'm just writing this down because I know I'll lose track of it. July 1st hire. And then what was the next mile? You read it off like 20 milestones that happened within a short window. What was the next milestone? Yeah, I think July?
1: it was then the second designer right away. It was either August or September. And then in October, we moved in to our offices where we still are today.
0: And so you moved, you got a brick and mortar office when you had just you and your husband and two designers. Okay. And then at that point, I guess you were doing probably still mostly just referral work from within the B school connections or where was your yes. work coming from at that point?
1: No, well, I think in the timeline by then we had already gone to Tropical Think Tank. Oh no, no, Tropical Think Tank was two thousand fifteen. I don't know, I have to revisit. I think it was twenty fifteen. So, yeah. then, so then it was probably um it was probably B school and uh the clients from Selena. Because Selena, the free internship was in May of that year.
0: And so when you think of how you scaled originally, like when you hired those initial designers, like this, because this is us kind of segueing into the start the right type of business course. Yeah. I know that it was your desire for maternity leave that kind of catalyzed creating a business that you could step away from. I'm curious, when you were first hiring, did you make, looking back, did you make any gigantic mistakes that were like really costly or wasted a bunch of money or like, did it kind of go smoothly when you did your first hires?
1: I made a lot of mistakes. I don't think any of them were gigantic in the sense that they all taught me how to run the business better. So I have I learned from every single mistake. What I think was happening, and if I were to now go back in time and kind of coach my 22-year-old self, is um, <laughs> to slow down a little bit, I mm. think. I would have said that because I was just like, Zach, I was going a million miles an hour. I was just like, nonstop, always on, always looking on. I, I had so much FOMO. I was like, let me always be on on the Facebook group, seeing what's happening, replying to everything, t- catching every opportunity, jumping on calls right away when someone showed interest. I was just working from the moment I woke up to the moment I went to bed at night. Mm. But I was excited because it was new and I was like, suddenly the sky was the limit. I was listening to all these podcasts of all these success stories and I was like, yes, this is this is going to be me in a couple of years. And oh my gosh, like I can do anything. Everything's going well. I was just saying yes to everything. And I was just following like what was what kept happening to me, you know? So when I was with Selena, she was like, raise your price. I'm like, yeah, okay, got it. Hmm. what's next well uh if you want to take on more projects well you need to hire i'm like great so what do i need to do to hire well you need to write a job ad great how do i write a job ad <laughs> you know and it was just sort of like i was never thinking of the repercussions you know like i lived in london at the time when i started my business it was and, and the, our first hire which didn't work out we just tested it out um, freelancing wise, he was in Scotland and it was really expensive. And so it was my husband was like, OK, well, if it's your dream eventually to run a design agency, because that's what I saw my boss do. Right. So I didn't even know what other business there were was to start. Yeah. That, that's the first thing. Like before B-School, I wasn't aware that I could even have a business. It wasn't something I thought about. Mm. It just wasn't in my awareness, I read design books, I consumed design things. It wasn't until I didn't even know how it came across on YouTube that I was like, Oh, I could do this and then when it came to like, okay, I could be an entrepreneur that was there wasn't even the question of what business to start because it just felt like that was the only one I could start
0: makes sense it was if and it was so all you had been exposed to, yeah,
1: it was all i yeah, and so i i never i i never had, question myself like do I want this what will this imply in a couple years time will I enjoy the ride how big do I want to grow like I didn't know I was just like yes 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 I was just following the excitement and the next thing to grow um and for the first year it was good I didn't burn out in the first year everything was exciting and then it was from then that I was like whoa 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 what just Mm. happened oh because I I didn't finish thought but it was my husband who's actually like, well, well, if you're gonna hire, why don't we move back to Portugal? Um, and I was like, that feels exciting. Yes. Where to? Lisbon or Porto? I'm from Lisbon. He's from Porto. And it's like, oh, Porto, because I think um, I my dad has some offices available for rent. Like, I didn't know at the time I was making the decision of where I'm going to raise my kids.
0: <laughs> yeah. I had yeah. To you just kind of that. followed the the next step. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: And I thought, well, you know, who knows, maybe next year we'll be heading up offices in New York and maybe, you know, it just, everything seemed so I was 22. Everything was a possibility. And so I was just saying yes to things that felt fun mm. without understanding the repercussions.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I, to be fair i think it's probably pretty normal like you you get exposed to something new you start to have some early success and it's easier to get like really pumped and caught up and then you look back after this like wild ride and you're like oh wow this has been very intense so when you were first scaling your business like i'm thinking back to the conversation we had a few years ago versus the business you have now so like if you think about what we could call your i don't know crappy before state agency, the one that was feeling very draining, not very profitable. You had a lot of staff, you had a lot of revenue, you had a lot of costs, and, and you compare that to the current present day agency. Like, If someone's listening to this and they're trying to decide, do I want to grow an agency? The thing that I think is interesting about you is that it, it goes to show you can't make some blanket statement that says yes or no, because all agencies of this type and size and variety are going to be this way. because you took essentially the same agency with a little bit of staff changes and turned it from something that was draining and not very profitable into something that you described as like the dream business and profitable. So what do you think the, um, if you were to just compare those two experiences, what are like your top, top lessons to, to say to somebody or what are the things that you didn't like about the old one? How do you change them? Like, I guess what's your just broad wisdom on this whole make an agency, not suck theme
1: so the agency sucked because i i think i was i was treating my clients like bosses didn't have very good boundaries i was operating on very low profit margins which meant that i needed to always be fully booked that put a lot of Mm. stress on myself um because i was operating on low profit margins i also still needed to wear a lot of hats between creative director and sales and I need to close a lot more sales than I need to now at our new prices. And. And yeah, like growing revenue at the time meant more people and more people to manage like there come, I think someone I've heard people say different numbers, but you should never manage more than five people or seven people. And then if you have more than that in the team, they should be managed by other people and you manage the managers. Mm. I was managing 10 people and that's where everything started breaking. Um, and then when team members started not getting along, I started to have to be the HR person and being the mitigator in these conversations. And it was just sucking up all of the time, which I didn't have because all of my time needed to be in biz dev and sales. And, and, you know, it's just the foundations were badly built. And so now we prioritize profit and the well being of the team. And I think prioritizing profit is understanding who you serve and what's the offer exactly, or a couple of offerings. At the beginning, we were saying yes to every industry, to every, we were creating websites on Squarespace, on WordPress, and Shopify. Whatever people asked us, we did um which mm-hmm. meant that with every project we were like starting from zero and doing different processes and learning again and and i had the attitude of like okay but we can figure this out we just can't say no to these opportunities because that's they'll keep us from growing but i didn't understand that saying yes to these opportunities could also keep us from growing because they could yeah. they kept us from doubling down on the things we were good at and And streamlining our processes for like now we focused on like okay we only build on wordpress um because we found that's the thing people asked us most about and so we're like okay well that's going to be our focus um we don't do iphone apps anymore and we don't do web apps anymore which we used to but they're a completely different game um we we focused on we doubled down on serving these like personality brands and experts and coaches and own like that was a niche that I accidentally fell into because of b-school it wasn't mm. on purpose um and then we also try to do e-commerce and so we do a little bit of e-commerce for branded entity and packaging design um yeah and and then just understand like you know the you you asked me to track my time that's something I did a lot of at the beginning I haven't done that exercise recently, but there is, I I do recognize there's so much benefit in doing that and understanding like, okay, well, and also out of this, what does my ideal week look like? What do I, what do I find draining in business? And, you know, like you said, like, don't just manage your time, also manage uh, measure your energy. Um, and so I started delegating the things that I also didn't like and... And yeah, I'm just started to learn how to build a business that's a lot kinder to me and that pays me more. Mm. Me and, and my team.
0: And so it sounds like for the prioritizing profit, I just want to make sure I'm clear. You were saying that the one of the biggest steps for, for being kind of profit-oriented was having a honed service offering. Like you found your profitability through a consistent service offering. Is that right? Yeah. And so I'm curious, Is it only that, or was it also raising the prices on that?
1: Also raising the prices on that.
0: Okay. So what do you think...
1: It it comes hand in hand, right? Like the minute you realize what's the core offering, you can also get better at it and get more efficient at it, which raises the profitability. And then if you raise the profitability, you can also invest maybe in better staff, which then raises the quality, which then allows Mm. you to raise the price or spend more time... Networking to raise the profiles of your clients. So it's not like there wasn't an aha moment and suddenly we doubled our prices. You know, it was all very slowly, mm. um, just incremental changes.
0: So I have a few questions on this, but I see that we're at the time we scheduled for. Do you have a couple minutes to go over? Or should I try to wrap this up in 30 seconds?
1: No, a couple minutes.
0: Okay. So yeah. um, I'm curious what you think a good targeted markup is on staff hours so in other words if your project takes 100 hours to fulfill and your staff costs you on average 30 dollars an hour like what is the minimum that you should be charging for that project so let me put it another way (laughs) let's say a project takes one hour to fulfill magically and it uh, costs you 30 bucks what's like your staff markup minimum with your profitability first kind of angle
1: but I don't really... So if we look at the Profit First uh, staff that represents the delivery of the work, I think should be kept at 35% or 40.
0: So you're saying if it takes an hour for your staff to do, you would charge $40 for this project that you're gonna have to pay 30 bucks for?
1: No, no. It should be 35- So you charge it $90. Dollars. 35%. So. Okay, cool. That
0: makes a lot more sense. I was yeah. concerned for a second. Okay, so you said, should essentially aim for like a 3x markup on staff costs at a minimum.
1: Yeah, though I okay. don't, I don't base myself on staff costs. I base myself on like, what's the cost? I do operations costs. Maybe this isn't the right way to measure things, but I do like, how much does it take me to run? How, um, How much does it cost to run the business at the moment per hour? and divide that by the amount of people delivering work. So I don't include myself or my project manager, just like the designers and my husband. And that will give me an idea, but I also calculate based on a 28 hour work week and not a 40 hour work week. Okay. We're being very conservative in our calculations, but I know that they don't work 40 hours billable. Um, right. I would estimate it's more around 30. Okay. Um if we minus team meetings and breaks and fires that need to put out and all of that. And so what I'll do is like our costs divided by 30 hours divided by five, the people delivering the work. And so that will give me around, I think it's like I don't know. I'm not gonna do the math, but I think around 50 hour 50 euros an hour, that's how much it costs me to keep running things as Mm -hmm. they are. Um and so I know anything on top of that is profit. Okay. Um, and the moment, this is a good framework. yeah, we just try and like double it and see what we can do because we know that a lot often, we also like the buffer to like the client asks for an extra revision that goes beyond the hours. Okay. We'll do that as a favor because that adds to the client experience. We'll mm. make, we'll make sure that they know that we're giving it for free but we're using this buffer to give them a good experience. Right,
0: You're planning on that in advance. That's cool. Yeah. Um, guys, if, if you want to type in any questions for Joanna, before we go, type them now. I'm, I'm just kind of curious. The last thing I want to ask you before we wrap up is but when on you were that, honing... so
1: Zach, on, on that last <laughs> thought, just yeah. be very conservative with your calculations, because I used to be like, wait, but 40 hours a week times x amount of designers we should already be making 100k per month why aren't we because Mm. it isn't so black and white yeah and and so like i learned to be extra extra conservative and fires will need to put out things won't go as planned and yeah
0: yeah like assume everything will take twice as long and pay (laughs) half as much kind of thing cool with you honing your service offering like was there some level of intentionality there or was it more reactive? Like you just noticed a lot of your clients did this. This is the work that you like doing the best, that you do the best job of. Maybe that's closest to the money, although I don't know if it was. Like, how did you arrive at a honed service offering? And was it intentional or reactive? That's the core question.
1: So getting into brand identity design was intentional. It's what I loved doing. And uh, and then over time, it, we just improved that process. And mm. the good what i like about brand identity is that it can be the same process and the same skills for any industry website design was a little bit more reactive It was like oh people do prefer wordpress okay let's learn wordpress because nobody's asking us like even right now it'd be so much easier if we delivered websites in webflow because then i could mm. have my team build them too but no one's asking for webflow webflow still pretty new i think to anyone outside the design community and so they don't trust it and so they want wordpress Mm. and so it's been reactive in that way and it's been reactive in the sense that we fell into like the digital marketer space with the long form sales pages i had never done a long form sales page at my agency we didn't have these types of clients um and so that was reactive but then there have been things that i've tried to be proactive about like i the minute i realized that i was getting a little bit bored of these personality brands and this online space i i was like well what would if i was to be internet intentional about it what would it be and i was like well i would love to design a makeup brand or a skincare brand or something that would be tangible tangible and i could see on shelves and And so I started asking my network, who do I know that owns a skincare brand? Who did you learn from? And through asking these questions, I got introduced to someone who ran a a Facebook group of 800 estheticians. And he taught estheticians (laughs) how to launch their own skincare brand. Wow. And so through that, I spoke to that group about the benefits of a good um, visual identity and packaging design. We got three clients from that.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. It's nice to hear that story. And again, seeing that like network thing finding its way into what works well for you. So um, for anyone listening who wants to hear more about the... I I kind of intentionally asked certain things based on what I know Joanna has been interviewed about before. If you listened to this and you wished you had more detail about how she was able to take the maternity leave where the business kind of hummed along without her, The interview to look up is the one that she did on the future, which doesn't have an E at the end. But So if you're to Google like Joanna Galvan, uh, the future without an E, and the A has the little squiggly Portuguese thingy over it, uh, you can find where she talks about that. It's really great. She talks about all the processes she put in place. Uh, Joanna, if people want to learn more about you, where should they go? What should they go download or sign up for or whatever?
1: Um. So you could go to theambitiouscreatives.com dot com forward slash email scripts if you wanna grab the the email templates that I spoke about. Um or if you just wanna say hi, find me on Instagram at Shwannegalvaund Design.
0: Cool. And one more time, what was that link?
1: The email scripts one. Yeah. Theambitiouscreatives.com dot com forward slash email scripts.
0: Cool. Is there anything in this interview that like any questions you wished that I ask or anything else you want to add before we go?
1: Um, No, I think, well, I want to add that I'm very grateful for another conversation with you, Zach. (laughs) I always love our conversations and you managed to get me saying things that I haven't before in interviews. So I think that's really good too. I hope that this has been um, useful or inspirational to everyone listening.
0: Yeah, I think it's been awesome. It's been really cool to see like this living case study of of the networking thing. Like, I think even though I seem like an extrovert, I do not really gravitate toward networking. I feel like I don't really know how to do it, and this gives me some ideas for how I could do a networking. So that's great. So thank you so and much you for have being a here. Great
1: excuse, right? You can bring people in as guests to the community, and yeah, this is nice. I like it this going way. deep really fast, yeah. but.
0: I'll have to practice for in-person if I'm talking to somebody. Anyway, <laughs> thanks so much for being here. Joanna, I will pause. the, I'll stop the recording, so we'll be here. Everybody else will be gone. Thanks, guys, for joining us. This has been great. And again, it's the ambitiouscreatives.com slash email scripts, I think it was. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks so much for your time, Joanna. This was really, really awesome. I think people are going to get some great insights from this. And I will now hit stop recording. Bye, guys.
1: Bye.